0: Well, good afternoon and welcome once again to Overtime, which is our weekly podcast. Uh, This is actually our fourth week, so we've made it, I guess, a month. Now it's more like a habit. Yeah. I don't know how that works. But anyway, we're glad that you're with us. Uh, What we do is basically for Overtime is gives us an opportunity to talk about anything that we left out of the weekend message. The stuff on the cutting room floor, unless you're a millennial. Or... That, that's exactly what I was going to say. I oh, um, yeah, stole it right We're out of my mouth. I was going to make fun it. of Christian a little bit, because yeah. Christian didn't know well, it's what the a cutting room, room floor and Christian's don't... right back there, so he's smiling. He wait, yes. Anyway, he so, he, so it's okay, okay. He, he forgives <laughs> us. But uh, So glad that you're joining us with us. Uh, or if you're listening through any of our RSS feeds, so if you're listening to this by podcast, either on Spotify or on Apple, um, glad that you're with us. Super excited for this week's content. We've got some great questions that we want to dive into. Um, Also talk about anything that, you know, Josh, you'd specifically left out. One of the things that we do want to mention just before we get into all of that is something that we highlighted last week as well. So this Wednesday, right now it's Tuesday the 11th, or excuse me, Tuesday the 12th. Tomorrow, Wednesday the 13th, we've got a, a pretty special... Uh, evening happening. We're calling it Evening with Elders, where it's basically a, um, a business meeting that our elders are going to be doing. So if you want to hear about some of the things that are happening within the church, if you've got questions, we want to encourage you to come out to that. That will be during our normal Wednesday midweek service. We call it COW. It stands for Connect on Wednesday. And so there's a meal at 530, and then basically at 615, there's kids programs, there's youth programs. Um, but all of the classes other than CR will be suspended for this business meeting, the evening with the elder. So I want to encourage you to come out to that. If you've got any questions, you can ask us, call the office, uh, email us, contact us. Also, seems like a good time to pitch. If you've got any questions that you would like answered on next week's installment of Overtime, you can email us at overtime at We'll get your questions. I think most of these were actually electronically submitted. I think out of the four, we've got three of them were electronically submitted. So we're going to kind of jump into that, unless there's something that I'm forgetting to to highlight. Nope, that was it,
1: Ben. You did a good job.
0: So, uh, yeah, let's uh, kind of start with the way that we always do, is just kind of, if you could just remind us, give us a brief overview of what we kind of talked about this past week.
1: Yeah, so week six, week? seven, six, Ooh. week six of uh, Jesus <laughs> Creed. So I've been in this really, what feels like a long series, on trying to figure out if there's a better way to live than how most of us live. I think it's Craig Rochelle says. Uh, if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. And, and if you look at our, our world, I don't know that any of us want what normal people have. And so perhaps there's a better way to live, a, a better uh, way to enjoy life, a better way to access all that God has in this life. And so we've just kind of been uh, working through that the last several weeks. Uh, the last couple of weeks kind of been tied together, kind of this idea that part of a, a creed, or the big part of a creed, is a set of beliefs that guide your life, meaning you have these beliefs that therefore determine your behaviors. Right, right. and. So, uh, if we're going, okay, we want to change our behaviors, we want to experience something different in our life, then I guess it'd be necessary that we change our beliefs. And so, we've been really working through, how do you change your beliefs? And, you know, last week, looking at uh, the Samaritan woman, you can put this in the sermon over time, those kind of things. And then this week, looking at Jesus coming to his hometown. um, What becomes really evident, and you can look at this in psychology, you can look at it in in the garden, uh, in Gethsemane, I mean, Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve is... That there is this kind of this process that happens. It doesn't start with just your beliefs. It actually starts with your thoughts. Your thoughts eventually determine your beliefs. And then right. your be- beliefs determine your behaviors. The one I joked about this week, which, you know, we got a, we got a little laughter. I uh, appreciated it. And I was talking about many of us don't tuck in our shirts because we got the back fat. Right. <laughs> and so because we got the back fat. And I so said I have a have a set of beliefs. I don't want you to see my back fat. You are the Saturday Yeah, I, I don't think I heard this, so I'm really
0: excited yeah. to so, hear about your back you,
1: fat. Because you have I wasn't talking about I was talking generically about everyone. Oh okay, back I'm fat,
0: sorry. And, I, I misunderstood. I just assumed he got this back fat is what okay. he said. Whatever. So
1: um so you know, we don't want people to see that, so we don't tuck in our shirts, right? It's just that simple. You got a belief, I don't want people to see that, therefore a set of behaviors and it starts with this thought, Wow, I don't look good there, man, whatever it is and so well, that's really um, ridiculous and not important for our you know, everyday life. It's a reality for how that works for us. And so mm-hmm. the big difference between this week and last week was um, kind of the big thought was, man, if we could just change what we think about, right, mm-hmm. then that would be really helpful. This lady's changing what she thinks about in terms of where she finds her value. Not these five mm-hmm. men that were her husband's not the sixth one. But sometimes what we think about is actually true. Mm-hmm. And so it can't be that we just can just go, nope, don't think those things, don't think those things. So when we look at this, it's not just about changing what you think is about changing how you think Mm -hmm. and what what kind of decisions you make about the the thoughts that you have and so that was kind of the the, kind of the big thing i really wanted to do is go you know what it's not about changing your thoughts if your thoughts are actually true like Mm -hmm. you're in pain you can't just go i'm not in pain i'm not in pain no you're in pain you have sorrow can't say i'm not in sorrow i'm not in sorrow you you have times you go i don't know how i'm gonna fix this Mm -hmm. i can't get out of this ditch and you don't just say well i'm not in a ditch right i mean Mm -hmm. like the reality is you're in a ditch and so instead of trying to you know trick yourself into being somewhere you're not when that's actually where you are then it makes sense that you would have to come to some grips with where you are but you cannot stay there and therefore the next step is going okay what do i believe about my current situation yeah and that's what was really beautiful about this time jesus had with his folks in nazareth because he reads from uh the prophet isaiah they're they're mesmerized with them really really funny to think about it. they're like yeah what a great message he got yeah. us out before lunch whatever those things are but then to see his uh, rebuke yeah. and calling out, and he highlights two different people. One, a a Gentile or, uh, widow, uh, so someone the Jews would have hated, someone they would not have understood. And the reason he highlights her and Elijah's decision to care for her is because she had some thoughts. She had I, she had these thoughts that she goes, I can't take care of myself. I don't have enough food for a few more weeks. Maybe take care of me and my son. I can't provide for us. And our options are either to eat this food, ration it, eat it, and try to live as long as we can in the pain and sorrow and suffering and you know, all those things in their world until they just die. Yeah. And so, or she could come to the conclusion that perhaps there's a better way. And so Elijah invites her into that journey. But the way that he does it is he actually asks her to give him her food. Right. And so there you go, she's left with two options. She goes, either I ration it, get a couple more days of food, or I go, oh, I give it to him. And right. either he is who he says he is. Right. And it changes everything about all things. Mm. Or he's not. And if he, if it's not, then she's in the same position anyway, just... A couple of days less. Yeah. Right. And so the big thing is what she understood that most of us don't, she was very clear with her condition. Hmm. She had some true thoughts that she could not fix her situation. Yeah. So she came about it in this really broken way of really going, what else do I have to lose? Right. So yeah. that is someone you're talking about. Okay. How do I have very little? And I think we'll get to that in the questions. Yeah. And okay. Do I just give that to God? Is that prudence? Right, and, right. and so you got that base. And then, but then Jesus also highlights another person, a, a Syrian general. And Israelites would have hated the Syrian general because he would have been the one that would have pillaged their town over and over again. And he had leprosy. And yet, uh, Elijah's successor, Elisha, um, he's the only one in this entire area that gets healed of leprosy. Lots of Israelites have leprosy. Leprosy is just a skin disease that's going to kill you. It's terminal, right? Right. They have a real condition. And so the really neat thing about that one is that Naaman finally comes to the conclusion that he can't fix himself. So he goes to this man of God thinking, maybe if God is real, maybe if he's real, then he could fix me. So he goes to ask for help, and Elisha doesn't even talk to him. He sends a servant and tells him to do something ridiculous, go dip in a pool seven times. And he goes, I'd rather go back home and dip in my own pools. Right. And Where then the cleaner, servant right? kind of you know, talks him down and says, hey, hey, hey. like, what do you have to lose by this? Yeah. Like, If you're going to walk away, you're just going to walk away in the current condition you're in, and you're going to be dependent on yourself right. and all this. And, or... Maybe you just obey God. And that's what I got to highlight seven times. It's really, really beautiful throughout the scriptures, the number seven completion, you know, yeah. you have seven notes on a scale, weeks in the year, a year, I or days in a week, or those kind of things, not weeks in the year. So I got to really kind of point out, I'm going, really the difference between these two and the folks sitting in front of Jesus is they thought he was a cute teacher, but they didn't realize that he actually offered them something that would bring them healing right. and hope and favor. Because the ones that he said he was bringing healing, hope, and favor to, according to Isaiah, or the uh, the broken, the oppressed, the prisoners, and the right, blind, right, and so we have to come to some thoughts of going do you is it hard for you to come to some kind of terms that you are broken, oppressed, and blind? Yeah. do you know your own condition because it, it, the only way to receive the gospel is to start with the thoughts of go, I know my condition yeah. and as a result of that condition, I come to a conclusion that I can't fix my current situation. Right. we can't fix our current situation, so the only one who can must be God, or it's unfixable, yeah so.
0: I felt felt like this week as you talked, and I don't know, maybe it was just putting it so yeah. kind of plainly yeah. like I have a condition. It was really convicting for me of going, yeah, I, I many times I want to try and make excuses. I want to try and go, oh no, it's not it's not that bad or it's not a condition, but but I felt like at least this week for me, my conviction was it's like, yeah, it's it's very evident. like a lot of times I try and cover it up or hide it or pretend like it's not there. But the reality is, it is. And what do I do with that? And coming to terms with that. So I thought it was really good. One of the things you said is that you can't save our, we can't save ourselves or fix us, but it doesn't mean that we can't be fixed. And I thought that that was so good. So I would encourage you, if you haven't you can already, that. listened, Tweet that. Yeah, that's tweetable. Yeah, that's Get Ben credit, word.
1: but I don't, I don't remember saying
0: that. He <laughs> he said it. I, I wrote in it. in my notes? But uh, it, it really good. And I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to that message, man, maybe even stop this podcast, go listen to that message. I I think it. It's really convicting messages. Don't do your job today. Your bosses (laughs) won't care. (laughs) Or just listen to it on four times speed. Actually, that would be pretty impressive. That might break like speed barriers or sound barriers or whatever. Um, So, yeah. That was funny, man. Yeah. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Uh, I think I might have just knocked out the internet. So that means that we lost you for a second. So I think we were right about the question. So I'm going to rewrite, reread that question, not rewrite it. uh, And then.
1: I'm not sure if you're speed. a little leprechaun or like Ralph breaks the internet.
0: <laughs> That's funny. That's Thanks. funny. It's a little inside joke there about the leprechaun. Anyway, uh, so here we go. We'll jump into the first question. It says this. It says, Josh, you gave two excellent examples of how our thoughts drive our beliefs and how our beliefs drive our behavior. One good, the Samaritan woman at the well, and one not so good, Jesus rejected back at Nazareth. About midway, you asked, how are you feeding your soul? So I, I first wonder... How do you define soul? Like in love, "Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength." That's found in, in Mark twenty, and then in Luke ten, yeah. and then the second, I wonder. Uh, the second wonder, practically speaking, how do you personally feed your soul?
1: Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind answering the first one. The second one, I'm not quite as um, proud. I don't know that I have the, the best answer for. Okay. Um, yeah, Luke ten twenty seven really like that one. That's um, where he kind of s- summarizes um, kind of the whole all the commandments,
0: Old command, Testament, and right? And yeah, old
1: to Deuteronomy six, in some ways, and that's where he says, uh Let the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength." Right. Um, so you go, well, why does he mention all those? Well, I think because it's probably important. He mentions all. In fact, if you look in Luke two fifty two, it's where they we don't have very little understanding about what Jesus did growing up. Right. right? Um, but we do know in Luke two fifty two it says, and Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor of God, favor of man. Right. So you got these four kind of things. You go, okay, if that's the case, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor of God, favor of man. You go, well, maybe we have some really under, a, a decent understanding of what that love the Lord to God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So kind of at the base level, and I go, well, if you're looking at it in those four ways, love the Lord with all your heart, uh, that would be our relational connection to one another, right? Okay. So how we connect to one another in favor of man. Right, that Jesus says, the Lord with all your heart, mind. That would be kind of this, um, this intellectual piece. There's mm-hmm. something about what we understand, our brain, renewing our brain, doing those things. That help helps us in chance. I think I grew up in a world that goes, No, 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 don't chase down any truth because you're gonna be really confused about who God is. There aren't no dinosaurs, you know. <laughs> but it's okay for us to kind of really strengthen our mind. Jesus yeah. grew in wisdom, right? So yeah. we know that. And and the other one he says he grew in stature, which right. love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So you got okay. a piece of go there's something about this in terms of we can't actually love God well unless we have good relationships and we've we'll worked on those and we're actually strengthening our mind in some way and uh, we're actually physically taking care of our body. So you got those things. And then the fourth one is, love the Lord God with all your soul. Now, if we compare that to Luke 2.52, that would say, uh, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, favor of God, favor of man. So you got this favor of God. So a lot of times we go, well, the soul piece is more about our spiritual
0: connection. Okay.
1: But when we look there, which I think is accurate, we got to go, well, when you do that, you kind of put them in all four quadrants, like they're equals in this thing. But if we step back and think about that, we're going, well, we know those can't be equals. We We know that, if the God is the source of all comfort and joy and peace, and He is a sovereign Lord, meaning He bends and shapes all things, what we do with our body physically is not as important as what we do spiritually with with God, right? So why I think all four are important, I think I would go. That's the one that we really don't talk much about. Okay. And, you know, we got all these self help books talking about how do you get physically fit, how do you get, you know, how do you get smarter, and how do you have better friends, and. How do you do some spiritual stuff? But it's never talking about specifically
0: how do we connect to God. Yeah. So are you kind of, what I'm hearing you say is that basically the soul piece is probably the most important.
1: Yeah. So, and then, uh, yeah, so I'll get back to the soul. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's good. Um, because it's actually quoting, um, Deuteronomy and in the Hebrew, that word means like the essence of your being. Okay. So. So, when we see it there, it means like the essence of who you are, like your soul. And that's where, when I describe okay. that part of you, can never escape. Okay. I see that in the Hebrew term, the essence of who we are, the essence of our being. But when, when in Luke 10, 20, I think that's the lawyer who quotes this to Jesus, and he says soul in the Greek, it's actually, oh God, I would mess up the Greek word, mm. but it's like suke, psycho, psyche. But it literally is the same word we get for psychology. Okay. So, okay. But at, at its base level, it, this is crazy, it means to breathe. Okay. It means god's breath okay so god's breath and so you know you think about that so this is what this guy's doing and jesus is affirming this so he's going yep there's something about god's breath in this." now if you think about god's breath it's even more profound because let's think about the very beginning of all human kind right so god decides to create humans now how does he do
0: it he takes a whole body
1: and he puts it all together right so adam was a fully functioning had everything he had had everything he had i don't even like everything he needed like he had, all his, heart, he had all, all his heart, all his organs, all his blood, and he just laid there. And he was dead. So Adam was completely dead before he was ever alive. So here he is, and he didn't have a belly button, I don't think. And he's there, probably no scars, you know, no tattoos. Here he is, just laying there. Like a, like he looks like a, he's no, got baby skin. No tattoo,
0: skin. are you sure? I think so. I he's
1: got like baby skin. You know? He's a like, full oh, what a man. cute little baby man. You know? And then, all of a sudden, the way by which it plays out is, God, literally, was going it yeah. go? Breathes mm-hmm. life in him. So it's like, well, we can talk about all the other sustenance and all the other things, but the beginning right. of all that is God breathing life into mm-hmm. us. So when I think about how are you feeding soul, your soul? Yeah. How am I feeding my soul? Right. That's a great way to talk about this, actually. Um, a little underweather, dealing with some stuff, and um, yeah, my life and my head are in a little bit of um, a swirl, right? Okay. And so a little bit of a uh, head infection, like so to this like morning sinus infection. Sinus infection yeah. that's the word. And so this morning I took Brig to school and just went back home literally laid in bed Been in bed from uh probably seven forty to uh about about eleven before I came here. And so, um but all I did is literally just went into bed and I just laid there and I found it's so funny, um I, I, I YouTubed old hymns. Okay. I just love old hymns, right? Okay. And so I just hit play and they're just playing next to my head and literally I don't even listen to them. Every now and then I'll do that. But it's so interesting because the very first song that comes up on them was, Then sings My Soul, yeah. My Savior right. God to How Great Thou Art, right? So there's something about even that one. Okay, this is how I sing. It's not even with, it's not like while well, I can worship with my hands and stuff. It's something with my soul that sings to God. Then mm-hmm. sings My Soul, My Savior God to How Great Thou Art. And then the next song was, you know, Ratio Stafford's, uh, It Is as Well With My Soul. And one of those things, I'm going, did you have a
0: key search of soul and in no, there. No, 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 no. Just no. And then it went to like okay. Just as I am. Right? Okay. Okay.
1: Fuck! So I, like I got to get up and walk down an aisle somewhere. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, so I am just laying there, and all I was doing, um, was just breathing, just breathing, and not so like even doing this technique called square breathing, which is you breathe in five, you pause for five. That's hard, and then you breathe out for five, especially when you're you sick. Know. Breathe in for five, pause for five, breathe out for five, and then for those last five, this is where you get the square. Okay. You do nothing. So you go, like, that's hard for me, right? And so, I mean, I was getting a little of rhythm, and it wasn't like I was trying to like find my inner peace and be well with me. It was like, God, I believe you actually meet us everywhere we are in
0: hmm.
1: our pain and our sorrow and our triumph and things. So there is something. There's something about that pause and that breathing. So I don't – I guess if you ask me how do you feed your soul, I don't think you do it moving. Hmm. I don't think you do it trying to – Add another checklist item. Yeah. I don't even think it's, and I'm telling you not to pray and not to read your Bible. I'm just saying, I don't think you can feed your soul by thinking you have to do one of thing things that connect to God. Right. So I'm not saying, when I say not moving, I'm not saying you can't go walk in nature, right. right, or go swing on a swing. Um, maybe some of that would be good for your body. Not get on a treadmill, not run. I mean, there are some things you probably can do, and there's actually some really good science out there, brain rules, uh, like Dr. Medina or something like that. Talks about this, this idea that kids learn better on a treadmill than they do sitting still. So there's something about that. But I don't think, I, I think it's absolutely impossible to feed your soul while being distracted by anything else. Hmm. So you might be able to read the scriptures. But even when you're doing that, you're going, I just need you to find something. Okay, I'll open it up. God, will you speak? You speak? You speak? You speak? You know, like, there's just yeah. like this. There's almost this urgency in it where when you just go, okay, God, I'm, I'm just going to be okay before you. Because at the end of the day, this is all I got, hmm. right? Like a billion years from now, Either this is going to be okay or I'm in a lot bigger trouble, Hmm. right? Like if this, if I can't get to the point where I can just sit still before you and find comfort in your love and your grace, not because you're speaking really great words of affirmation of me or not because you're giving me kind of an idea of how you're going to take care of my future. Well, I want all those
0: things.
1: In that moment, there's something about going, I just need to let God breathe into me because without God's breath, I don't never live. Without God's breath, I don't know. And by the way, without breath, we never live. Like, right. This supernatural photosynthesis that happens, Like there is something in that. And so I would just say, I would start, and this is so weird for me to say, because gosh, I'm not good at this. I almost think it's weird, right? And you can email me if you're like, no, that's not what the Bible says, I get all that. And, um, but I think it to start by taking a pause and breathing. Like, I don't know for sure, I and mean, if you look at the Old Testament, I just I mean, I was doing some breathing last night, Just some things, I really felt like I, I mean i just identified with david both on the pain and on the stupidity like just all sorts of stuff and i just wonder and this is this is not what i'm saying the scriptures are saying but in a lot of the psalms there's this lament yeah and then there's this word the this say yeah you know, this, just this, this moment where it just goes and i just think in the middle of that lament it's okay to do those things but at some point it was just going like, okay guys I just emptied out all these thoughts. Like, here's all these thoughts I'm having. I cannot believe this. How could you do this? Why would you allow this? Why did that happen? Why am I so stupid? And I'm like, all these different thoughts just swirling in your head. And you just, you're just lamenting. All of a sudden, it's just like this. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Either God's got this, or we're all in really big trouble. Hmm. Which is the story of Nazareth. Either, yeah. either God has this. We have conditions that we cannot fix on our own. So either God is going to feed our soul, because we're going to pause and let him. Right? And so you see that story of Mary and Martha. Martha's going, tell Mary to start doing something. I agree with her wholeheartedly. Mary is <laughs> lazy, right? Um, and then Jesus goes, no, no, no. Mary's doing, uh, uh, as he says, doing the appropriate thing. In fact, the only thing, like he even says, the only thing that really matters in this moment is just to be to sit and pause. So I think it's about sitting and pausing and breathing. I point to, you know, J- Jesus' the last discourse during the Last Supper um, where he says, abide in me, John 15. Uh, you know, abide, remain relax rest yeah, in me yeah. and he gives a couple of things he gives us an illustration but he also says because apart from me you can do nothing yeah like there is hey nazareth apart from me you can do nothing and so there's just something about if we don't feed our souls we're just in really big trouble
0: anyway. and there, so, there's something about that like as you're saying that i feel like that's so hard in our culture because we're always distracted and I, yeah. I i guess on some level i allow myself to be distracted so i just feel like there's a lot of uh, challenge in being able to take a break or pause or yeah. a rest. But I I think you're right. Like I just feel like it's something that I should be doing more often. Yeah. And just kinda of pausing and, and allowing our soul to find rest in Christ.
1: Yeah, one thing one other thing I'll say about that is I think there's an the urgency of going, Can okay, I need to take this back or can to take a couple of weeks off? And I'm like, I don't think that'll help you. Mm. I think it's more about getting comfortable with taking a pause. Like, Talk about of- right the- now. Like mm. you can pause this and just go, Oh man, I don't really just sat still before God Felt comfortable being there. Like you think about those thoughts yeah. in the very beginning with Adam and Eve, they had a thought, "We're naked." They had a feeling, shame. Boy, do I feel that all the time. Yeah. And then they had a behavior, they hid. Yeah. And so imagine if they they take this thought and go, "Oh man, I'm naked. Man, I felt so vulnerable. Huh? Wonder if God can meet that need. Right.
0: Right.
1: You know, I wonder if I could just sit here exposed and that would be okay. <laughs> wonder if God is my covering in that instead of me going and hiding. You know. Yeah. And, so, and, and then God calls out to them, why? Because they've never taken a pause. They go, "Where are you?" That's yeah. the pause, and they go, "Oh, we're naked, afraid, yeah, yeah, right." And then God does the gracious thing; He covers them. Right. He literally sacrifices an animal and goes, "Oh, guys, this is going to be bad for you. There's going to be some pain, but here's covering
0: for you." Yeah. So. yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. All right. So we'll we'll move on to yeah. our our next question. Um, maybe it's not a question. Maybe it's more more of a statement. But uh, I think it's good discussion. It says this. It says, uh, <clears throat> "Why, when Baal makes it rain?" That's in you know, those air quotation marks or whatever those are called. Um, actually, because I'm reading it, it's an actual quotation marks, and I just did whatever. Well, uh, why, when Baal makes it rain, it's reasoned as science. I have no idea what you said. The I'm water cycle. <laughs> all right, all right. Let me reread that then. Yeah. It says, Why then, when Baal makes it rain, it's reasoned as science, as yeah. in the water cycle, but when God does a miracle, we celebrate. It says, not to say that Baal is real, but if we didn't believe in God, Would we reason miracles as science?
1: Oh yeah, good question. Um, Let me—I'll talk about miracles in just a second because I think I want to give us a better understanding of what miracles are and aren't. Um, Mm. Yeah, that's just—I think what the naturalist world goes and goes. Okay, let's see everything around us and let's let's explain it. Yeah. Um, So science, in my opinion, is not like anti-miracles. Science, in my opinion, is doing a really good job of explaining how God works. Mm. So it's just. All truth belongs to God. God is the one who wired all the things, so when we figure out photosynthesis, we're going. That's how God created breath. Right. Now, do we know why he created breath? Any and the idea is, oh well, we got these lungs. Do we know you know, there's a lot more there. And so in some sense, I, I'm really thankful for the science and how it explains the how. But when I talk about a good bit is but science cannot explain the why. Right. So no matter what you do with science, you cannot you can go, Well, this is how it could possibly work, but nothing can explain why we are here. Nothing. Well, here's kinda of how it happened. Well, Okay, if something began in the beginning, why did those things begin and where did that come from? And so, yeah, I think that's kind of the problem. Going, well, if you don't believe in God, then all you have is this natural world. Right. And so, therefore, you have to define things naturally. And then every now and then, uh, this happens to doctors, I think, who love the scientific world, love bodies, and every now and then they will have something they cannot explain. And when it's beyond the natural, just by definition, uh, can we explain it in natural terms? That's just called supernatural, right? And right. so, um, we have some enigmas in there and, and I think some people just go, Oh don't know, keep moving, knock on wood, whatever it is, like these those weird kind of things. But so I think that piece, so yeah, it makes sense. If if you don't believe in God then uh, it makes sense to you, Oh, that's just weird. That was just happened to be a drought. You know, <laughs> okay, yeah, fine, we've had droughts before. But droughts usually don't begin with a, a person declaring the drought's gonna happen. For three and a half years. Like, if I tell you, if a meteorologist says for the next three and a half years you're going to have rain, I'd be suspicious of you. Yeah, absolutely. Either you have an inside track to Mother Nature or God, or you yeah. have power I don't know about, or you're, you are can peer into the future.
0: Right? I would be impressed if meteorologists could really, for the week, get the, the weather right, because it seems like it changes all the time. That's not taking a shot at meteorologists. They're it was, saying. but
1: he shouldn't have. So
0: Sorry but, if there's any meteorologists actually out there listening. But
1: meteorologists, if you have any opinions <laughs> on how we should do outreach, please send them to Ben <laughs> at <clcfamily.church. laughs>
0: so Touche.
1: Um, yeah, so no, but then the other thing is we go, well, miracles, therefore, are the things that exist outside the natural world. So right. that's God just kind of showing off. I don't think that's the case. So I actually think every miracle we see in the scriptures is not God showing off. It's God actually resetting the world into the way it was supposed to be. <laughs> So a miracle wasn't just some weird, you know, magic trick. Like, pull the thumb out like they want. A miracle was saying, "See that dead person? People aren't supposed to be dead. Mm. So I'm going to give you a picture of what's to come. See that blind person? All oh, people aren't supposed to be blind. See that hungry person? The people aren't supposed to be hungry. See that lame person? Like so, every time you see, see, see that water, you, you shouldn't have to fear it being out of control because the God of the universe will one day lord over that as well, right? So we have all these different fears: hurricanes, tornadoes, whatever it is. What you see when Jesus responds to those things, you just see Him going, "Let me show you how the world's going to be." So when every time we see a, a miracle in the scriptures, it's never it doesn't seem like Jesus' number one motivation is to convince us that we can trust him. Right. He's actually giving right. us a glimpse of the way that things are to be. right? And so like even when you see miracles in your own families, on your own marriages, on your own world, he's giving you a glimpse of what eternity is going to be like in that, hmm. where you can trust him for everything, and he will make all things right. And so this idea of a miracle of being God yeah. showing off is, well, maybe... I. e on his list of right.
0: importance right 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 it's a it's a good thought I feel like yeah. as you were saying that I'm thinking in myself well man why don't we see more miracles but I think that that's I think if we were that would be I wouldn't grow in my faith as much as I think that maybe that sporadic nature I don't know if sporadic nature is the, the right term for it but it just I think it's a, it's a strengthening of my faith because I'm thinking how Jesus said a wicked and perverse generation wants yeah. to see a miracle so I'm going Maybe I shouldn't ask that, but I did, and we're live. Yes, yeah, so you
1: got a couple of different things. You got, I think Paul says, "Hey, you Greeks want more information; you Jews want more miracles." But neither one of is going to be enough. Even in this passage, he kind of peers in and goes, "You want to see a physician heal health. Uh, you want to see some miracle?" But because God is all-knowing, he can peer in and go, "That's not going to help your heart." Yeah, yeah. like this isn't going to be the thing. Like this moment of me intervening in this way right. is not going to be the thing that's going to help your heart. Right, right. And it might be resting in it for a while. It might be. Uh, having a different response than what you wanted should be the yeah. right case. Yeah. Right? So there is no, no idea. Like I just think about so many times in my life are the things that were created the most anguish or the things that led me to something else that would have never happened if God would have just uh, performed the miracle
0: I wanted to do it. Hmm. So, yeah, that's good. All right. So here we go. Uh, we've got about two more questions. I'll save. Okay. Uh, what I think I'd really like is, as the, a good tension one for the last one before we go. So the Ben has a favorite one. question. So I do have of a yet. favorite question. Sorry for the rest of I'm you. excited for it. But uh, that's why we don't say names either. So that's why I'm not saying who did anything. But uh, it says, uh, this was actually, I think, a text message. It said, uh, a great sermon last week. Thanks. It's ex- exactly where I find myself the last two weeks. I bounce between arrogantly thinking I got this all under control to despair that I'm so terribly broken. Really struggle with allowing God to have control. Um, and then kind of a suggestion. May I suggest that you explore how to let God do his work in your next overtime? And then also it says, thanks for all you have gotten and vulnerable.
1: Yeah. So, uh, boy, you're speaking my language there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get that. So one of the things that I would say is I think uh, for all of us, yeah, all of us, there's this tension between wanting to do something really significant in our lives. Yeah. Right? All of us want to change the world. You came out of high school, college, whatever. So we want to change the world. To so get that peace to the other side of the pendulum, which is, I just want not have any stress. Like, I just don't want any pressure. I don't want the spotlight on me. I just want to punch the clock nine to five, go home, and just have some peace, right? And so it just feels like we just vacillate between those two things. No, I want to do something really great. And then what we do is we come up to this thing that we want to do that's really great. And we realize it's beyond our capability. Because if Jesus says, apart from him, we can do nothing, anything great is going to be beyond our capability. It just is. And so. So you get a couple different things. Sometimes this is in pride and arrogance, and sometimes this is in just true idealism. So I don't know which, which category we're in here, probably a little bit of both. Sometimes we just wrecked our lives and go, oh, I just can't do anything. Other times we're going, we can do something. We're going to have this faith. We're going to conquer that mountain, and we're halfway up, and we're going, well, what was I thinking, right? And so then we go to the other side of the pendulum, and then we just try to settle and go, nope, just want to contain our house, just want to protect my things, just want to do those things. And it's just this, for me, it feels like this, this never anything. And frankly, most days I go back and forth every single day. Yeah. So it, for me, it's just that thing. Because over here, over here, I, I can't do it. I just can't. It is beyond my capability. Over here, I'm miserable because I'm not operating in my purpose and calling. And so the reality is our life is going to be complicated because the very things God calls us to do are beyond our capability of doing them. All the more reason he tells us to lean in. Now, I, and on top of that, Rick Warren says that you should never compare yourself to anyone because you end up in one of two places. Either you end up um, really, really proud of yourself and you're like, wow, I'm so good. And that just makes you arrogantly looking down at other people. Wow, I'm so good at this. They're so bad. Or when you compare yourself, you know, like on social media, we judge them by our best days. We know our worst right. days. We go, man, their life's all together. I can't do anything. Right. And so he goes, you just never should compare yourself. Because when you start comparing yourself, either you're going to be overly prideful, right? This, this idea that it goes, uh, I've got this all under control. Or overly depressed. Yeah. Which I would just point out, that's what religion does us. So I would say here, I would say to me, uh, that is a religious problem. That is a religious problem because uh, religious uh, – I'm going give you this picture. Um, yeah. yeah, that's it. Uh, so this a really cool moment right after uh, it, it, the disciples are going from one town to the other. Jesus sends – I think he just has fed some people. In fact, I think he's feeding them. He's going to see them the next day for breakfast. Also, it's also complicated. But he sends the disciples out on the boat. You know the story. This is the Peter walking on water you're laying there and they look out in the distance and Jesus is just walking on water right. I, just, I want to do something special yeah. I want to do that Like I don't, and that's what I want to do and so Peter boldly with faith says God call me out there I remember proud of Peter on that Love John Orberg's thought of, if you want to walk on water you got to get out of the boat everybody else misses out on that so they can't yeah. judge I can't judge I've never walked on water I've tried over and over again did not work it. I didn't have enough faith in
0: puddles don't afraid. count
1: no no I'm telling you I, <laughs> I, for like for summer between 7th and 8th grade I had this idea that my faith is broken so I just okay. had enough faith I mean, I'm talking about. I can't believe I'm sharing this. But I would step into the water and I'd sink. Again, we had a pool when i backed back. Over okay. oh, okay. and over again. Never walked right. So Peter does it. But if you look at how it plays out, right? So Peter's walking on water. He's seeing Jesus, and then all of a sudden something changes. Hmm. He realizes the predicament he's in. Like, oh gosh, what did I get myself into? I right. can't walk on water. And then what we see there is we see him become really fearful. Like really fearful, right? And when he starts to fear, he starts to sink, right. right? And then Jesus says. He a little faith, a little faith, like come here, Peter, and he goes and gets him. Go go Jesus' arms, like he gets him, brings him into there. But I think honestly, if I look at that story, I go, that's our progression in righteousness. Right? Okay. We come to Jesus in our most broken and vulnerable times and go, We can't fix ourselves. We have a condition. Yeah. We need help. We need you to save us. And then he does. And then our pattern is little by little, day by day, we learn more about the Bible, we're more confident in our abilities, more confident in our skills. And what ends up happening is we go, we got it from here. Hmm. And then when we say we got it from here, we start to sink.
0: Yeah.
1: And then what do we do? We crowd to Jesus to save us. Right. What does he do? He reaches out his arms us. and goes, Oh, buddy, you have a little faith, you know, like this which by the way is a gift from him. Right. So he's he, he has to give him more faith in that. And he does, and through some crazy circumstances, the resurrection. Right. right? He gives him some, some real faith. And so I think there is this, there's just this reality that we just have to we have to continue to check our spirit of going, is this me trying to do this in my power and my might and my arrogance and my confidence and mm-hmm. my ability? Is this me being impatient because the Lord hasn't come through for me yet? Is this not me wanting to go with other people? There's just a lot we got to figure out of why we think we have it under control. Yeah. Because here's the reality for us we never have it under control. No. Now, don't you hear me? Like, control is an absolute illusion. It's just an absolute illusion. There is nothing that you're actually in control of, right? You do not know you'll make it to your bed tonight. That's not fear mongering. You just don't know. You don't know what you're going to hear from your doctor the next time. Like this idea that we are in control is just a lie. So when I talk about uh, repentance, um, I usually talk about changing your mind, right? Changing the way you think. But really, the behavior that I'd like for it to see us happen. a lot of people say do the 180. The behavior that I think makes the most sense when we change the way we think or what we think about, like doing all those things, the behavior that should happen is I go, oh Lord, I have all these thoughts I can't fix because I'm not in control. And you are, and you do know what's best, and you will work all things together for my good and your glory. And so then that behavior, I think, and that and either side, either it's because I got it all under control, yeah. I go, nope, that's a lie, or because I'm in, in deep despair. What I'm doing there is I'm relinquishing control. That's what I think at its base value where, uh, where repentance plays out. We relinquish control for our salvation. We relinquish control. By the way, when we relinquish control, we actually are walking out of an imaginary world and into a real world. Because yeah. when I say relinquishing control, because you weren't in control already, you're already not operating in the kingdom because you're not in control of the kingdom. Yeah. So what you're doing when you're relinquishing control and that you're going, okay, I'm going to... What you're doing is you're now opening up another door and going, leaving all this behind. I'm walking out of my own kingdom and I'm going to enter God's kingdom. And that is scary because I'm not in control of any of it. But I believe it's got to be much better than where I'm from.
0: Yeah, so I I feel like I'm, yeah. as you're talking about this, I'm I'm thinking my, in myself, like I, I get the illustration and kind yeah. of the highs and the lows, is there any like, practical advice you would give to somebody so that you don't live in such you know, a dramatic world of Peter walking on water and then failing, yeah. or is that part of the process that God uses? Like, I guess I'm just looking either for a practical example or if that's just kind of the nature of, of how it works out. So yeah,
1: I think it's cumulative effect. Little by little, day by day, we grow our faith in that. Right? That's, but I think the process of sanctification is every day. Yeah. Like, the things that I would do now I wouldn't have done 15 years ago, right, right? Right. I mean, the things that I would proclaim now and trust now and think about now, the checks I'd write to the church now are much different. Yeah. Not just because of an increase in income, but an increase in faith. Right. Right? And so I don't want to call faith a much, oh yeah, maybe I would. So here's what, oh, it's really good. He, uh, I think it's Paul. Paul who says, uh, let everyone work out their salvation with fear and trembling. We go, we know that. I can't fix your salvation. I can only fix mine. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You go, okay, i got to work out my salvation. But the next part of that verse is, for it's God who does the work inside of you. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about, when I'm thinking about faith and a muscle, when, when I don't work out much anymore at all, but kind of the idea of working out is you are, you are, you're you you're are hurting your muscles. You're mm-hmm. literally stretching them. Like you're tearing them apart because you're creating new space for, for that stuff to go in. Right. So there is something about this faith. So let, let everybody work out their salvation in fear and trembling. Okay, God, the uh, beginning of wisdom is uh, the fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom. Okay, God, I got to trust you in this. I got to trust you. You are strong. You are holy. You are good. And so... I am having to remind myself that it's, I can't save myself, that I have to work out my salvation going, God, the only place I can find salvation is by relinquishing control, right? Mm. And so that is a muscle that I am stretching in that
0: no, moment. Yeah.
1: So I'm stretching the Makes muscle sense. of faith. But then he says, but it's God who does the work inside you. But it's God that is the one who strengthens that muscle. You're just stretching it and creating a great little opportunity mm. for, for God to do the work. And good so analogy. You see throughout the scriptures, and I used to say it, um, I used to say our, our obedience is, um, uh, activates God's omnipotence, right? When I'm obedient, God's omnipotent. But then it that sounds so arrogant. Like somehow I push a button and God does it, right? But there is something that you see over and over again in these irreversible steps that people take. Mm-hmm. To we know that God's in this when He tells Joshua to cross the Jordan. He says, that not, "Not the, the flood right. stage waters are not going to stop so the bare soles of their feet touch the waters. And right. They die, or God comes through for them." And so it does seem like these big moments of faith are really about going. How do I lean in and go, God? God, would you do it? And so I just say over and over again faith is leaning in and seeing that God's going to come through and those steps get bigger. And usually the the follow-up question is, well, what if he does not Oh, that's such a good question. Thanks for asking, Josh, right? (laughs) Uh, And that's where I'm going to always point back to the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus opens it up and he says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, Mm. for they'll see God. So, it depends on why you're taking that big leap of faith. It's because you want a new job because you don't like your old job. You don't like your old boss. You want a bigger house. I mean, what is this? Is this that I'm going to take this big leap of faith so I can get a new car? Yeah. Or is yeah. this, I'm going to take this big leap of faith because I believe this is what God's called me to and this is where I'm going to see? Yeah. The good news is, if that's where you are, no matter what, you'll see. Yeah. Because He says, Blessed are the pure heart for we'll who see God. So, I just say, yep, relinquish your control. Whenever you get to the point where either you feel a ton of pride or a ton of despair, that's religion popping up at us. Because mm-hmm. either you're not able to do your religion very good or you're really good at doing your religion. But neither one of those is gonna give us a right relationship with God for now or eternity.
0: Well, that kind of segues a little bit into the next question. and I I think I like this one just because there's a lot of tension in there, and and maybe it's because I can relate personally to this question. So it's a a little bit of a longer um, example, but I'll just read through it, and maybe we have to reference back to it. It says this, as a follow-up to this weekend's sermon and the series on the Jesus Creed, I'm struggling to understand how to apply my surrendering on the day-to-day basis I read the word and I'm familiar with verse after verse about denying oneself and trusting in the Lord he is the great provider etc so let's take a hot topic that most of us can relate to finances for example how does one surrender one's financial situation to the Lord in the overall picture I trust in the Lord I can recall time and time again where our family has has been provided for but it's typically at a low point when there appears to be no other way out then in our despair, we cry out to the Lord for help. Why, uh, why do we always have to wait to be in the in that position to call out, especially since the Lord is always with us? So, uh, so what does the day-to-day surrendering of our finances look like? Do you just say, Lord, you got this and go to bed at night hoping that you'll be able to pay for your mortgage within the next couple of days? Where is the line? I think that this is great. Where is the line between trying to control a situation and surrendering? Is taking a second job simply saying that you don't trust God, uh, you don't trust in God? So I'll have to work more to make ends meet. I understand that it's all God's money anyway, but the bills are mine. It's my responsibility to provide for my family. But I am only getting—am I only getting in the way of God doing something great by feeling like I have to control the situation at all times?
1: Really great question. I had yeah. lots of thoughts. i might have to go back to it. Um, yeah, yeah. So we, we got lots to talk about there. One. A theology of work. Yeah. Okay, so it, why do we work? Should we work? How much should we work? Got a lot to figure out with money. Um, And then, so, okay, how much money do we need? How much should we give? We got all those pieces. And then uh, you got the whole piece on the family. And then you're going, okay, denying your cross. So, uh, right. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to sort through. I really, really like it. And boy, I, I, I resonate with it. And I said, let's start. Yeah, I, I, start I don't know if it's helpful. I I I got it in my head. I am okay. okay. trying to everyone okay. start with money. Faith. So yeah, here's what I'd say. I'd say first and foremost, um, money's a resource. Yeah. It's just a resource. Uh, so we gotta we gotta just take that out and sit it in a in a spot in a category, right? It's a it's just a resource. So uh, American culture, Western culture particularly, kind of puts uh, that in a very high uh, level of resource, but it's just a resource. Just like time's a resource. Just like friends is a resource. Just like your car is a resource. So money is a resource. Now it just happens to be that. The economy by which we get gained different resources, time, money, all that kind of stuff. And so you got, you, got, you got that piece. So you got the money piece, uh, which is just a resource, right? Um, then beyond all that, we also have the pieces where Jesus talks about uh, what what money reveals about us. You know, there's lots of um, uh, this idea that love of money is, is the root of all evil, right, Not right. money, but right. the love of money. And Jesus says, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart is as well. So... Um, when we look at that, we go, okay, If they're all resources. Money's a resource. When I say where your treasure is, that's where your heart is as well. What we typically think of is, okay, here would I put my money down. Because they automatically, this is just so messed up, we already put that in the treasure category. Yeah, right. We already put it in the treasure category. Yeah, I know right? I so, do. Yeah. So yeah, treasure, I got to give it to God. because that's, But we're missing the point in that because money isn't the treasure. Money's a resource. Mm-hmm. So we got to figure out, what are we treasuring? Mm-hmm. And, like, and So I think first and foremost, that's the big question in this is, okay, are we treasuring money as a means to an end, as a means for security, as a means for comfort? Um, hmm. Or what is it that we're treasuring? So uh, kind of if you imagine if you take your treasure and you take your heart, they're just tied together. There's just no way. So wherever your treasure goes, your heart's following it. Wherever your heart goes, guess what? Your treasure's following as well. And so it, what Jesus is getting at there is not saying, put your money in the church so that you'll you'll say, you'll say see that that's your treasure because you're investing in the church with your money. It's going, money's not a treasure, period. Hmm. Money is a resource. Hmm. And, now, and so we got one thing to go get. Okay, how do we treasure? What is it that we should treasure then? Right? Well, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what he says uh, at the, end of, uh, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and all, everything else we take here. So seek first the kingdom of God. And so when we get that, this idea, and this is what's so messed up. Is when we talk about the kingdom of God, we talk about the kingdom of heaven. In Western culture, what we believe that means is one day we go to heaven. That is not what the scriptures are saying. And this is why it's so important we understand. Oh, I'm trying to learn to understand so I can help us with it. First century Judaism is that they would have known that God was planning on ushering himself in, not ushering us out. Hmm. So there's this idea that this kingdom of God is what Jesus is telling us to seek. But he's not saying, pray the prayer, ask Jesus in your heart, so one day you get in heaven. He's going, you should today be looking for the kingdom of God everywhere you are. And therefore going, if the kingdom of God is there, what resources can I bring to the kingdom of God? And now you've got all sorts of resources. Is that money? How much money do I need to bring to the kingdom of God? How much time do I need to bring to the kingdom of God? How about my family? How do we bring them into the kingdom of God? How about my small group or my community? Or how about the time I have at work? What if my job wasn't because my treasure was money? What if my job was because now I get to be living the kingdom in that day? And so it seems like we get caught up in the money piece, and I, I understand that's just a, a tangible explanation. Yeah. Not that I don't think that's even where it's caught up, is that? But it's not the treasure, because then once you get there, once you get there, and I'll, and I'll, I'll circle back. But once okay. you get there, okay. it's this thing: you you no longer you stop we ask some weird questions. Like, one of the things that we ask in terms of money is why, why don't we have very much of it? Like, why don't I have what I don't have? Like, I don't have a bigger house. I don't have a higher paying job. And that's the wrong question, too, if we look at what, what money is. It's a resource, part of a treasure, right? And so when we look at the parable of talents, God gives all three people different levels of talent. He just does, you know? And so the, so the question is not why has God not given me what he hasn't given me? The better question is why has God given me exactly what he's given me? And I'm not talking about just the job or the money. I'm talking about how many hours a week do you work? How many kids do you have? How much time do you have to spend with them? So, and then you go. Those are all my resources. Now, how am I a good steward of those? But then the other question I think is where we eventually go is we go. Okay, how much does God want me to give? How much does God want me to give? And I think a better question in light, and I'm not talking about just money. Remember, money's a resource. I think in light of what the kingdom of God is talking about, the right question there is: that How much should I give? The right question is: How much should we keep? Like, how much do we need? Like, what is it that we need in this? And so. I know it, it sounds like a non-answer to, should I get another job? I don't know. I mean, yeah. The Bible says in Thessalonians, not even the Proverbs, I'm talking about right, New Testament Paul says, a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. Right. So there right. is the theology of work that says, hey, we were created from the very beginning to work. Right. That was just part of what it is, because we are co-conspirators in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Right? And so that's just a part of it. Now, as a result of sin, work is hard, and probably doesn't pay what we would like for it to, in all of our categories. Everybody in the world will even people who make forty million dollars a year throwing to football, right? Everybody'd like to be make make more of that. And so in that day you go, Okay, you have to work. Now, how much do you need to work? Do you need another job? I don't I don't know the answer to that. I think I would start with what do we need to keep? I think that's where star. start. Is there if there's a if there's a line that we're living in and we keep this standard of living keeps going up and our pay is not going up at the same rate as the standard of living, we have one or two options. You get another job or you lower your standard of living. Right, and so I think there is something. to go, okay, can we find a base level that is required for my family? That what do we need to keep? And then all of a sudden, as you increase money, you go. At this point in my life, I like to increase income. As a result, of I'd actually like to be able to give more, serve more, you know, invest in more. But that's because I've already figured out what I want to keep, not how much I need to give. So I do think first and foremost we have to go. Okay, how much does God want us to keep in, in relation to money? But that's even a bigger one. Going, on. how much does God want? To, how does God want us to use every single resource we have? So my suggestion to people in my own life is should do it as well. So this is not you know, not perfect. This is, I think we got to inventory everything. I think it's important that we don't just inventory how much our paycheck is. We've got to inventory how much time we have, how much space we have, how many like all these things that go, okay, God, in light of all the stuff you've you given me, what do you want me to do with it? Do you want me to yeah. sell stuff? Do you want me to work more? I mean, what is it you want to do with this? Is it, is it that you actually are calling me to get, a, uh, you know, a more money because my kids are going to college? Like, I mean, not that I, not I, don't, I don't agree with everything Dave Ramsey says, because he says tortoise always wins. You know, tortoise always wins. Like, because it was a distracted hare, you get a focused hare. The hare's gonna win. This isn't about speed; it's about distraction. That's what Aesop was trying to say. But anyway, but Dave Ramsey also says um, he says that it. It's hard to get a debt working forty hours a week.
0: Yeah.
1: So the other, so the, there might be a piece of that we go, well, no for now, but not for always. You know, or, I can't do all this stuff because I I gotta work five extra hours a week until we can get ourselves in a spot where we can give god our treasure and do those things i I think
0: yeah i guess i'm trying to think through so i i i think i hear and understand what you're saying but i'm trying to think through in the light of maybe somebody that just uh, i don't know maybe they just had some unexpected cost show up like so we'll say that everything's going well you know they're not they're not you know looking for this ridiculous house they're not looking to drive all these expensive vehicles They're so they're like managing things well but then there's this unexpected cost of i don't know a funeral or Hmm. Or something like that where there, maybe they weren't planning on it. Or maybe even just at, at a place where, I guess personally, I'm even thinking like last year, Hope and I moved. So my yeah. wife and I, we moved from the house that we were at. We, somebody could probably make a really good argument that we didn't have to move. Yeah. But we felt like that was where God was leading it. But financially, it might have made more sense for us to stay where we were. Now, I think that God was doing a lot yeah. more. But, but something in that where maybe maybe some unexpected debt now has happened and you've got to pay for that. And you're trying to figure out, maybe you're strapped with time. You're strapped kind of with resources, um, including money. And and then, so I guess I'm trying to think through the practical, how would you maybe answer that? Is that, I don't know.
1: Yeah. So in light of, you know, maybe that, maybe it does make more sense financially, but does it make more sense in terms of hospitality? You know, if those are both resources and square footage and, and inviting people into your home, like, Oh, there's this, there's this, Way too many – I feel like what I'm so concerned for our church or anybody is, like, I don't want us to see money as that thing. Because yeah. there's a lot of other things. Now, there is something about money that not everything else offers. And so I think what I would ask, and what i got to ask myself here is, do we believe God's sovereign? Like, do we actually believe God's sovereign? Like, do we believe that God sees all things and says – and everything he says is true? Like, do we believe that God's in all this stuff and there is a better way to live – then I would just offer. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose here? And this is what I love. It's so messed up in Malachi. So messed up. So this is a. This is where I, um, God uses Malachi to say, "Bring your tithes to the right, storehouse." Right. right. So that's the, your first fruits, ten percent, right? So don't want you to get caught up on the ten percent because we'll talk two weeks. Zacchaeus gives half everything he had. See him, uh, you know, and and uh, the in acts where they give everything. So yeah. it's like I don't know that we're looking for a number here. This isn't about how much you should give, but in that. And that agrarian, not agrarian. Sorry, I said it wrong all weekend. Wrong. Gosh, uh, agrarian society. I don't even know why. Um, and then that as society, I mean, they were bringing in that like all their harvest as soon as it was coming in. So they get this new harvest, and before they knew if more was coming in, they were bringing it to the Lord and bringing it to the Levites. And this is where God says, "Test me on this. Right. Test me on this." And this is his. This is his response. And see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. Mm-hmm. So I would just offer. What do you have to lose there? Like you know, like God is saying, here's what's really neat about this because He knows that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is as well, and He's given us an incentive in this thing. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I understand this is a hard one for you to take the leap on because you see it as your livelihood, you see it as your comfort, you see it as your security, right? And I'm not trying to get you to give more money to the church. I think you should. I think so we can do more kingdom work. But that's not that's not the motivation of this. Right. But it's more of saying, if God actually says, test me on this and see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out my blessings on you, then then it would make sense they'd go, Yeah, I'd try it. I mean, yeah. what do you have to lose? You know? Yeah. So this is the, the widow going, hey, should I give the cake? What do you have to lose? A month's mortgage? Your credit score? There's a God of the universe who sees you and moves, and you are pretty confident he's real. Yeah. And so either we're worried about ten points on our FICO score, which you're not really, we'll figure that out, or a little bit of debt or whatever it is, a beacon score, whatever it's called these days, right? Instead of just going, okay, God says that we can test it. I trust him on this. And he actually invites us to test him. And go so God is literally saying, you want to see me be real? Here's a really good place to try it. Hmm. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in two weeks with uh, kind of two different responses to how people respond when, they, when God calls them to more into the kingdom. Like he has a okay. rich and ruler. we'll See kind of those, um, uh, the contrast between those. So yeah. l- what I want to kind of come back to though, on that is I don't think this is a money thing. Well, this is a great example for it. I think what we're talking about money here is really what we're talking about in every other category. I think we're talking about it with time. I think we're talking about it wanting to get ahead of something. I think we talk about manipulation. I just think in so many categories, what we really got to ask ourselves is do we believe God's really sovereign? Because so much of our behaviors are more about our life's not really reflecting that, right? So what we're really dealing with in all this stuff is, and really what the, the folks in Azra were dealing with was kind of this practical idea. So I declare that God exists but my life doesn't reflect that. Declare that God exists, but my life doesn't reflect that, right? And so it just wouldn't make sense that we'd go, if God really exists, then shouldn't our lives reflect that? Shouldn't our time, our calendars, our money, all those things just reflect those things? So I think that would be what I wish those those um, Jews in Nazareth would have gotten. What do we have to lose, like if God really does exist, and he meets us here, and he's saying he's the Messiah, then shouldn't our lives right now reflect that? Instead of all the scheming that we tend to do that just wears us out
0: well, that's good. We we've got a few minutes left mm-hmm. here, so um, just wanna. We usually ask this: Was there anything that you have left out from the weekend that you kind of wanted to bring up here, or any thoughts or any additional comments or anything? Mm-hmm. And if there's not, no, I'm know, just anything?
1: well. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting a discernment cap on and, okay. and a filter to go on. Yeah, I think it's. I think. You know, you know, the question I was asked, you mentioned real quick, how are you feeding your soul? Right. And um, I think a better question that I wish people, I could help people wrestle with today right now, I don't think it's supposed to be the message, is why aren't you feeding your soul? Like, what is the gap in there that keeps you from feeding your soul? Like, do you not believe any of this is true? Or if you do, like, if what if this is true, then, why isn't that a part of it? And some of you are listening to this podcast, but this is part of feeding my soul. And I'm glad that's part of it for you. But like at some point it's going, I think if you are, then and this is, please hear me. There's no shame in this because I'm, I'm asking myself the same question. Like, If this is all true, then why, is, why am I not just like really enjoying the Lord's comfort and graciousness? You know, like if he's really real and he really is going to be the Lord of all creation for all eternity and he invites us into that, then I don't know why we wouldn't want to pause and just appreciate that more. And the reason I don't is go, no, 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 because there's too much going on. And I got to get, I got to take care of it, i I got to fix And There's just an arrogance in that in me that believes that I'm the one who fixes things. So question to kind of ponder for the week and get here on this weekend is you're going to see two other ladies in desperate, desperate situations. One's dead, one's on her way to dead with a real bad disorder. And what we're going to see is that they're going to reach out to Jesus and he is going to give them his power. And he's gonna accept weakness in return and in and, and return. And so I think there's something in this I just want to sit you with is hey, why why is it hard for us to feed our soul? And could you perhaps, perhaps over the next week, take a couple minutes each day just to sit still before the Lord and mm-hmm. just tell him that you don't know what to do other than you just want to sit there and be comforted by him mm-hmm. and ask him if he's real, if he's would for you. You think it'd be worth trying? Mm-hmm. Should do that more. That's mm-hmm. so it. So,
0: well, the uh, last thing that I'll just kind of throw out there is if you are watching on Facebook Live or if you're watching online on our website, CLCFamily.Church, you can also find us on uh, Spotify. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or, uh, you know, Podcasts or Apple phones. Uh, if you search CLCFamily.Church, you can get that there. If you have any questions that you'd like to see answered next week or maybe even I'll say if there's a follow-up question to something that we talked about this week, Um, please email us at overtime at clcfamily.church. You can also, if you're here on a Sunday, just grab one of the bulletins right on the back of that. We'd love to be able to have any questions that you guys have. It can be related to the message. It can be just maybe something that you're wrestling with or struggling with. Um, And then the last thing that I'll just mention once again is that tomorrow night, so if you're listening to this before November 13th, November 13th, from 6:15 to 7, about 7:30, is our evening with elders. So we, we encourage you to come out for that. And uh, yeah, I guess that's all that we've got. So we will sign off week four. Say thanks for joining us.
1: See ya.